Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are so excited today about our lecture. It's actually not a lecture. We're actually gonna do an interview with Kendall Harvey. Now, if you were at the Fearless Mom Conference, you know that we honored Kendall with giving her the first ever Fearless Fighter Golden Gloves Award. She is amazing. Yes, those of you who know her, you can go ahead and put your hands together. You'll definitely have another opportunity to do that. But before we dig in today, I wanna welcome in our online moms. We are so thrilled that technology has connected us. And you know what? So many of our online moms flew in for the conference, drove in for the conference. We got to meet them for the first time. Moms would come up to me and say, I'm from Minneapolis, I listen every week, or I'm from Anderson, South Carolina, and I came with my sister. It's amazing. We're so glad you were able to join us in person, and we're thrilled that technology connects us today. And so we wanna remind you that there's a group of moms in Austin cheering you on, saying, we believe in you, we are with you, and we are for you. Now, in just a minute, like I said, I'm gonna bring Kendall up here and we're gonna talk to her about her life, her life with F.A. And I could tell you her story, but to be honest, Kendall tells it so much better than I could. So take a look at this video. Take one more step. Yep, handle it. Most people have never heard of Friedrich's ataxia. Most people look at me with pity when I explain what F.A. is. When I was about 25, I went out for a run one day with our dog, and my legs just would not do it. It was like my whole body forgot how to function. I could not run, and that's when I knew something wasn't right. Friedrich's ataxia, or FA for short, is a progressive genetic disease that affects the central nervous system and usually leads to loss of coordination and dexterity, chronic fatigue, scoliosis, and eventually cardiac failure. We were starting to think about kids and I didn't think that was even a possibility. I didn't want to have kids and leave Kyle, um, a widower, with a bunch of diseased kids like me. And it threw me into a really dark depression. I didn't see a future because Medically, my future had just been taken away from me. My life was over before it really got to begin. As we started to crawl out of our doubts, God would open up a door. He would crack a window and then allow us to be able to take that next step. And the next thing you know, we had more doors, more windows open. And he really just led us along the way in that process. And luckily, her heart was open to being able to follow God's will in that process. I didn't want to keep living in darkness. It was time to get busy and start doing some work and hope that 
God would show up and take care of the rest, so I did. We built Team Kindle and started to raise awareness and raise money for FA Research. Seeing my village rally around me um, spurred me on to keep pursuing a normal life. It made me feel hopeful for the first time. My whole life, I'd always been very faithful and church-centered. And post-diagnosis, I didn't even talk to God. I didn't pray. I was mad at God. I blamed God. I was incredibly angry. The first time I talked to God after the diagnosis, the first time I earnestly prayed was after our appointment with the leading FA doctor when we decided, okay, let's explore this kid option. Should we or shouldn't we? And I earnestly prayed, okay, I want kids. You know that. My whole life's been leading up to that. Where do we go from here? And we got Kyle's test results um, that he is not a carrier meaning that without a doubt, our kids will not have FA. So we took that as our sign to go for it, and we actually got pregnant month one. I went from thinking, I had no future, I hate my body, why is this happening, to uh, my body is growing this perfect, beautiful, wonderful life, my body is amazing, it's capable of amazing things. The moment our son was born changed everything. All of a sudden this beautiful, perfect, healthy, gorgeous human being was given to us and placed in our charge. And I felt so proud of creating this beautiful life and I felt so privileged and honored that I got to be a part of his life. And I was so full of hope and joy for the future, which seemed like for the first time in as long as I could remember, I had plans again, I had hopes and I had joy true, honest to goodness, God-given joy is what Brooks brought me. When Brooks was about two years old, we started wanting to grow our family. And we got pregnant with Collins, and she is the perfect addition to our family. God sure knew what he was doing when he gave us Collins. Motherhood looks a lot different for me than it does for a lot of other moms. I can't do a lot of what I wanted to do as a mom. Um, my abilities aren't where most moms are. Motherhood might not look the way I thought it would. I might not show up the way that I hoped I'd be able to. I don't get to 
run and play with my kids. I have to take more of a back seat and I'm more of an observer of playtime instead of an active participant. And um, that is hard and it breaks my heart but um, I get to still be a part of everything and I still get to watch my kids have fun and build those memories with my family. I feel like I've found my purpose in life. It's fulfilling, it's satisfying, it's challenging, and it's crazy fun. Friedrich's ataxia is relentlessly progressive. Right when I've adapted to the new normal and I think I'm okay, I've got this, a new symptom rears its ugly head. And it's a constant need for adjustment, a constant mourning process. Now that I have my walker, it's a physical reminder of what F.A. has taken from me. I can't handle F.A. I can't handle motherhood or marriage or housekeeping, any of it on my own. And that's God's design though. I'm not meant to do any of it on my own because I'm not. He is with me and he will lead me through everything. He's bigger than F.A. He's bigger than all of my fears and insecurities. He's bigger than my poor balance. He's bigger than my slurred speech. He's bigger than all of the things that F.A. and life in general can throw at me. I don't know what my future is going to hold, but I know who holds my future. I know that the plans for my life are not my own, they're God's plans, and His plans are perfect. So all I can do is keep showing up, keep trying, keep trusting. I'm pretty hopeful about the future. In spite of everything, God has prepared me so perfectly for this life and he's given me a lot of characteristics to handle a life like this. When people tell me that my wife is inspiring, I first of all think that is true because there's a certain characteristic behind her that she is determined and will always succeed. It's great to see that in a mother and a wife because she's always working harder to better our family. She's working harder to better herself, but she's also showing our kids how strong a mother and a female can be in a world when so much has been thrown at her. Despite circumstances, despite the dark, there is light. And I strive to find that light, to live in that light, to shine that light. I want Brooks and Collins to know that even though things in life may not be good, God is always good.
Is that an amazing story or what? Kendall, we are so honored that you're with us today. We appreciate so much your willingness and Kyle's willingness to open up your home and share your story. Um, I can't wait. I have a lot more questions to ask you, and I hope we have time for all of them. If not, why don't we just go ahead and book lunch, and we'll just go all the way through the day. Sounds Is that good. good? But I know that there's so much value we know in hearing anyone's story, and I know that although the odds are that we will never be diagnosed with FA, that we will hit circumstances that are undesirable. Um, and so we'll get to that in just a minute, but I'd like for you to tell them a little bit about life before FA, about what your life was like, how you grew up. I think that makes the story um, even more impactful. Go ahead. Um, so growing up, I was just like everyone else. I um, did every sport that um, the youth association in my neighborhood had available. I did soccer, softball, swimming, gymnastics, cheerleading, volleyball, you name it, I did it. And um, I kept that all through junior high and high school um, from the age of four until my senior year, I did competitive swimming. Um, I was a cheerleader in high school. I did track, um, believe it or not, long jump and triple jump and high jump. Impressive. <laughs> and um, now I can't even jump. But um, it, um, I was very active and um, extremely competitive. And that kept going um, through my young adult life. When we got married, um, Kyle and I did Every co-ed team there was, we did flag football, sand volleyball, um, softball, and um, I, I loved it. That was, our love language was competing together and um, playing sports together and being active, being outside, doing whatever we could do to get our blood flowing. So it was a huge part of your life, activity yes. and physical activity. Um, and so you mentioned in the video, you said FA is a progressive disease. And help me understand what you mean by that. All right, how science yeah. do you want me okay, to Okay, keep it on, um, I'm gonna say I'm in a second grade level, okay. so let's keep it here. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so um, Friedrich's ataxia is caused by my cells um, don't replicate the way they should. And I get a buildup of damaged cells, damaged genes, and they cause kind of a, a roadblock. Uh, my central nervous system can't communicate with the rest of my body. So as that buildup happens, my um, my symptoms progress, and it um, FA affects pretty much every small or large movement that your body makes. Um, everything from obviously walking—y'all just saw a beautiful display—and <laughs> um, um, my speech and swallowing, um, it takes 28 muscles to swallow. 
I didn't know that until I had FA, but um, it makes sense that that's hard for FA patients. And um, hand dexterity is affected. That's my my newest symptom, and um, it's it's hard to see. Like when I watch that video and I see what my hand looks like when I fix my hair or do anything, um, it's it's surreal to see how FA has changed me, and. Um, Probably the biggest symptom that I combat is fatigue. Um, my fatigue is really hard to stay on top of, and um, I, I can still be exhausted after two days in bed. It's just, um, it's relentless, and it's, it's constant, but my kids know that some days Mommy just needs to lay on the playroom floor while y'all create chaos around. Um, or um, y'all go play outside with Daddy while Mommy lays down for a minute. Um, my family is really patient with my fatigue, which um, I really appreciate. And as my FA has progressed, I went from just kind of noticing I was stumbling a little bit more. Um, I wasn't as fast as I was to, um, I would start kind of ping-ponging around hallways or catching myself on furniture and kind of holding on to it as I walked um, to um, my falls started ending up on the floor. And um, it was a wake-up call that my FA had progressed to a point where um, I needed to accept I had FA, this is happening, here we go. <laughs> and so you mentioned like each stage, it is right when you get used to it, it changes. I remember when you posted on social media that you had decided to um, go with the walker full-time. That was a monumental um, change or progression or stage of the disease. And so can you help us um, take back to when you made that decision, what that felt like? Help us understand how significant that decision was. First of all, let's refer to her by her name. Snack wagon. The snack wagon. So when you, which I love, she's let the kids, you know, they, they look at it as the snack carrier. And so um, when you embrace the snack wagon, help us understand um, what that was like and why it was such a big change and how you truly had to shift your thinking. Right. Um, so when um, my falls were getting more dangerous, I had um, the big fall, the catastrophic, um, where I obliterated my ankle, and y'all, it was nasty. My ankle was sideways, ding oh, it was gross. Um, and so I had to have surgery to repair that. I had, um, I have two metal plates and 13 screws up in here. And um, I um, was in a wheelchair 
for eight weeks because I was non-weight bearing and I'm not coordinated enough for crutches. Um, and being stuck in that wheelchair for eight weeks um, was soul crushing for me um, because that's my biggest fear. That's what I'm working so hard to avoid. And um, it pretty much just became the acceptance that, okay, once I do get walking again, I need to accept help to avoid something like this happening again um, because I didn't want to, I don't want another catastrophic injury that I can't come back from. And so I um, accepted help when I could. Um, I would always use um, my daughter's stroller or shopping carts or my husband <laughs> or my parents or whoever was there to lend an arm. And I just kind of realized that I was um, becoming paralyzed by the fear of falling. Um, I was dependent on assistance before I would admit it. And so I just said, like, okay, instead of avoiding walking to the kitchen to get that glass of water because it's too hard and I might fall, um, I just one day said, okay, here we are. We're going to use this walker inside. And that was um, about a year, a year and a month ago. And um, I, I'm still accepting it. I'm still um, getting used to it. Sometimes it feels like an extension of my body and I don't even notice it. But then other days, um, I wake up and I roll over in bed and I see it there. And it's just a physical reminder of my inabilities. It's a physical reminder of what F.A. has taken from me. And um, it's hard to swallow sometimes. And I really... Um, I have a love-hate relationship with my body and with my walker, um, and I, I'm thankful for the independence that it provides me, but I still um, despise the fact that I need it. I, I think it's, um, I, I like the way you talk about um, the difficult circumstance you, you're in. You never minimize the difficulty. You never minimize the pain. You never minimize the grief. And yet, somehow, while you are highlighting the difficulty, you communicate that how you look at it has changed. And I, I, I want to understand that so much better. That's why I try to ask you these questions. I'm trying to understand myself. Typically, Fearless Mom is just for me. I hope y'all enjoy. Um, but I, I think that, like at the conference, we talked a lot about perspective and about what you may not be able to change a circumstance or situation, but maybe by standing and looking at it from another perspective. And so when you change the way that you look at it, 
it can change the way you feel about it. And when you change the way you look at it, it can change how you deal with it. And so for you, you're very honest about your anger, but you communicate so joyfully. And I, I'm, I'm trying to understand how that is. What is it that is in you that when your mind, when your thoughts get angry, when you're feeling so frustrated, you do get out of that bed and you embrace the snack wagon even though you don't like it. Tell me what that is. Where does that come from? That's God, 100%. Um, I... Growing up my whole life, I was, if the church doors were open, we were there. So um, thank you, Mom and Dad, for um, turning me into who I am. Um, I And I have a really strong village of friends and family who let me pout, let me complain about F.A., and join me in my pity parties. But then they um, say, all right, buckle up, buttercup, okay, time I'm, to I'm go. Okay, I'm going to linger on that for a sec. Yep. So your community, because that's, so you have a friend who's going through a difficult circumstance. Going to the dark place with them, allowing them to be there, you're saying is super important. Definitely. But then not allowing you to stay there. Tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. Um, well, like you always say, you have to see the emotion, name it, strap it in the back. Um, same thing. I, I have to acknowledge um, what F.A. is doing to my body and to my heart. And um, if I just go blissfully along my way, um, it will catch up to me. Reality catches up to me. So I have to take that time to process um, and a lot of a lot of tears are involved in that um, a lot of group text um, and um, my friends and my family are phenomenal at acknowledging um, my naming of these emotions and they, they accept me for having them. They um, sympathize with me. And that is so important. And um, that's just kind of how, how I realize that I work best is when I, when I speak it, when I name it. Um, and um, then I try to just kind of fake it till I make it. I go through the motions and all the the true joy catches up to me as I go. Because you're saying like, it, it's not like you wake up and go, okay, I'm gonna choose to have a good day. You, you call it, this is difficult, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Exactly. And I think also you mentioned that your husband and your parents, tell us a little bit about how that plays out and how it changes um, those relationships and how dependent you are on them. Right. Um, so my husband is um, just the best person ever. Um, if you want a picture of the vows and good and bad sickness and in health, look at Kyle. He is amazing. Um, and he is the eternal optimist. 
he is definitely the the let's just keep going, drop a smile on, it'll all work out, happy-go-lucky guy. And um, so he's really had to change his um, approach, change his point of view, change his mindset with me because that is not me. I will talk about everything until there are no more words. And um, it's we've definitely had to grow up together a lot. Because if he's happy-go-lucky, then he doesn't want you to ever be sad. Right. And, and it, it is hard for him to allow that. My guess is I'm a happy-go-lucky. I don't like for anyone. So is that what you mean? Help, yes, help me understand. for sure. Like whenever I, whenever I do have a fall or whenever I am having a really F.A. day, as I call it, um, his goal is to make me laugh so we can move on because in his mind, uh, sorry, I'm speaking for you, Kyle. In his He's mind, not here. He doesn't have a microphone, so sorry, go on. Sorry. Hope I'm doing it right. Um, in his mind, if he makes me laugh, we're on the upswing. And um, I will, I'll give him that. I let him cheer me up. I let him help me find normalcy and find joy in the midst of my sadness, in the midst of whatever current chapter I'm in, um, because he needs that, and so do I. That's why um, God placed him in my life as my husband, to, um, so I have to let him do his part. And because um, F.A. is happening to both of us. Right. It's not just me. Right. And um, and then my parents are, um, they're pretty similar to Kyle and I, um, except my dad is, um, how do I put this? My dad will... Um, acknowledge and inspire quickly first. That's his first gut instinct. And um, my mom is our family's fighter. And um, if ever something is making one of her kids or someone under her wings sad or frustrated or mad, she wants to fix it. <laughs> And um, I think that F.A. has really done a number on her heart because she can't fix F.A. for me. And um, I know that that is hard for her. I think as moms, we can all relate to that. Um, watching your daughter's body fail can't be easy for her. And she is... She's my go-to um, whenever I am sad or um, frustrated or having one of those why me <laughs> moments. Um, she is phenomenal and flawless at acknowledging those feelings, letting me feel them for a second, and then 
Like, all right, let's go. We named it. Let's find a way to tackle it. If we can't, let's move on. That's um, the community part is so important. Your your family and your community. Now you. Tell us a little bit about Brooks and Collins because you said it changes the way, it changes what motherhood looks like for you. Not only what you expected, but um, literally your physical, the day by day, things like going to Target, the everyday things like, you know, picking, picking your kids up, all of those things. It looks a little different. And then I want to talk about, I don't want to forget, you guys are doing such an amazing job, amazing of arming Brooks and Collins. But first, tell me a little bit about motherhood. Right. Um, so the, the thing that gets me the most is I just, I can't, I physically cannot be the mom that I, I wanted to be, that I pictured I would be. And all of the things that um, toddlers need and want, um, I can't scoop up my kids and carry them out when they are throwing a tantrum. <laughs> I can't. Hypothetically speaking. Right? That never happens. Um, I can't um, scoop them up and carry them off the playground if they fall and get hurt. Um, I, can't, I can't walk with my kids. Um, if I'm having a good day and I'm standing, I can hold them, but that's about it. Other than that, they know, don't run at mommy for a bear hug unless mommy's sitting. And um, that is, that's hard. Um, it's hard to teach your, your two-year-old that. And, um, it breaks my heart that they hold snack wagons straps instead of my hand when we're in a parking lot, um, when we are on one of our mini trips to Target. Um, they know that they have to wait in the car and I go get a cart and I use the cart as my walker. Um, and that is, um, not what I pictured. It's not. Um, I'm one of my love languages is physical touch, and the fact that I can't do that for my kids, um, it never gets easier. And and you acknowledge the difficulty of that and the pain, but you acknowledge it, and I. I, I could go on forever talking about how you, you name it, you see it, you don't ignore it, you don't gloss over it, you call it what it is, and yet you modify, which is saying, I could stay here. She could sit and go, I can't hold my hand in the, my kid's hand in the parking lot, therefore I'm not going to target. But what you choose to do is you say, you, you look at your snack wagon, you go, what can I still do? I can still go and I can, you modify, you find new strategies and you equip your children with that. I, I think it is the ultimate growth mindset, the ultimate going, I can't do it the way I did, but how can I do it? And so you're constantly, as you said, it's a progressive disease, so you're constantly modifying. Another thing I think is amazing that you do with Brooks in particular is, um, and I, I, 
This is a huge thing that I've spoken about before. When a, a child is in a situation or a circumstance where they feel like they have no control, there is a situation, for instance, my mom has FA, my mom has a walker, my grandfather has cancer, whatever it is, you've empowered Brooks to participate in this and to find the cure, and therefore, he no longer feels helpless. Tell us what he's doing. Right, so um, a big part of having FA, um, when, I, when I am donning my FA hat, a big part of that is fundraising for the Friedrichsataxia Research Alliance. And how we do that is through an annual bike ride called Ride Ataxia. And it comes around every year, around March or April. It's kind of a floating date. Um, this year, it's March 28th. And we do um, all of our fundraising for that, um, for Team Kindle. Um, we do that for through the ride. And um, asking for donations, asking for money, um, it it just makes my heart feel icky. I I don't like people having to give their hard-earned money um, to me for something that um, I hate. Um, I I wish that FA wasn't in the picture. So asking for money for FA um, makes me sick. Um, but hopefully all of these donations will lead to a cure so we can all move on with our lives. And um, so when I get an email notification that so-and-so has donated, I'll call out to Kyle, hey Kyle, Miss um, Lisa just donated 500 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever and we we celebrate every donation that comes in, and um, Brooks noticed that he is he notices everything, and um, he has started asking, "Why are people donating? Why what what's Team Kindle? What's going on?" And so I tell him people are giving money to the doctors who are trying to um, fix mommy so that she doesn't use a walker anymore. Um, they don't know the word Friedrich's ataxia. Um, they don't know the extent of my disease. They're two and five, um, and even some adults don't understand FA, so explaining it to them would just um, so they know that mommy's legs don't work very well. So, um, and that's the way God made mommy, but mommy's heart still works well. Mommy's still, um, your mommy and mommy still loves you completely and you're perfect. Your legs work fine. And, um, that, um, it kind of, they know that I fly to Atlanta once a month for a clinical trial. They, um, they know that mommy is not normal, 
and um, I could tell that Brooks wanted to to do something about that, to be involved. So um, he knows that we love making bracelets. We do little bead jewelry and mail it for Christmas or Valentine's Day or birthdays to all of our friends and family. And um, he had the idea to, um, when we were celebrating another donation that came in, he goes, we should send him a bracelet. And so we have kind of started a campaign um, where whenever we get a donation and someone shares part of our story on social media, we mail him a bracelet. And it's given Brooks a, a positive way to be involved. And, and when he feels helpless, it gives him something he can do. You guys have, again, you're, it is his life. You're communicating age appropriately, but you are letting him be involved, which I think is incredibly um, wise. You and Kyle do an unbelievable job. Um, you mentioned earlier that you are fortunate that your parents... Um, took you to church. They obviously did not know what your future would hold, but fortunately for you, they armed you, and you've said in the video, God prepared me for this. Talk a little bit about that, and then switching it to how you are arming Brooks and Collins for what might be ahead of them. Right. Um, well, growing up, um, I was always in the church, though. So. I heard the, the story of Paul and the thorn in his side. I heard all of the, the stories of healing. I heard all the, the stories of suffering. And um, I just kind of knew that that would be a part of life. And um, I never dreamed that suffering would be this big a part of my life. And I never dreamed that I would crave healing um, so much. But um, it is what it is. This is the path that God's given me. And um, I, in hindsight, God did prepare me for this. Um, I've, I've always had a passion for writing. Um, I went to school to study public relations and marketing and family and consumer sciences. So I, I know how to tell a story. I know how to um, communicate. And I know how messages pertain to families. And um, then I come to Austin and come to Lake Hills Church and more love and support is poured into me and um, I'm given a stage and a microphone to share my story, which I'm eternally grateful for. We are so grateful. To us, um, it's not just that you have Frederick's ataxia, it's that you are an example of embracing the ugly 
and yet seeing purpose in your pain and hope in your hurt. We say that all the time, but you are literally living that, and that's much more powerful than my saying it, much more powerful than Max saying it. Your willingness to share that, it, it is, I, <laughs> I don't wanna overuse the word, and I know you hear it a lot, but you're inspiring, and Kyle said it too, so how does that make you feel? <laughs> People say, you're so inspiring. All right. Um, when I when I hear that word, it um, it inspires me, and it makes my heart happy, and it just um, I I don't feel worthy of that word sometimes because I just um, I'm doing my best to get through the day and raise competent adult children. You go, girl. And um, I, uh, if people are inspired by that, then that's amazing. Um, but the the strength that people see, the the grace and the the joy that um, I try to shine in my life, that is one hundred percent God. Um, if it weren't for God, I would be a really bitter, angry troll. I would be. I can't fathom. <laughs> I can't imagine. Bitter, angry troll. I'm trying to see it, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, I just, because um, FA is really hard and it's really dark and it's relentless, um, but God's love is more relentless. Um, he's. He's bigger than, I know I said it in the video, but it's so true. God is so much bigger than anything life can throw at you. Um, and so I've just handed all of my problems to God. I do what I can here on earth. I do, I go to physical therapy. I make all the posts. I say all the words. I do everything. And um, I, I trust that God will show up and fill in the gaps and lead me along the way and um, carry me when I need him to. And um, he's done that perfectly and flawlessly. And um, the moment I asked God to, to come back into my life and help me, fight F.A., help me fight for a normal life. He's shown up in big ways. And um, so what you, what you see in me that's admirable, that's not me, that's God shining through me, and I've just been open to that. And you're, you're doing it with incredible grace and strength. And I also know that you and Kyle are very intentional about arming your children with scripture, with truth, as your parents armed you, not knowing what their future, your future would hold, and yet you say you're grateful for that because of where you are now. I think it's so important that we remember that. We say all the time, we work hard to prepare our children um, our job is not to protect, our job is to prepare. 
And so all of you who are doing the work to arm your children with God's truth, because that goes far beyond what um, we could empower our children, just truth that we have, we gotta give them, um, give our kids his truth. And I, I wanted to give a few verses. I know you and I talked about this and about how God is using your story, but I, I think that we, um, it's our responsibility to arm our children with what we know when we know that we cannot control what their future is, but we can prepare their hearts for the future. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And I, we talked about some verses and some scripture, and I know I wrote down the Matthew 5, 16 that you live by in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and honor your Father in heaven. And that is pretty much how you're living your life. You say, this is not what I chose, but I will trust and I will live my life in a way that points people to God. And you would say that, I mean, it sounds like that Absolutely. may be your theme verse right now. Yeah, pretty much. And, and, and she's using it, which is not easy. Again, you don't minimize the pain. You don't minimize the struggle. You don't minimize the severity. And yet you look for an opportunity to use it for others, which is just incredible. Um, I think Romans eight twenty eight. you would also claim um, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who believe in him and are called according to his purposes. You choose to see how God can use something so devastating for good. Can you just say a sentence or two about how, how, how you do that? Right. Um, I, again, a big part of it is is naming it and not ignoring it, accepting I do have this struggle and this is what it makes me feel um, and it's it's okay to get to get mad, to get angry, um, but you have to let God and let your friends and your family, you have to be open to letting people fix it for you too. Um, acknowledge the dark, but don't live in it. Live in the light. Try to live in the light. I know it's a lot easier said than done, um, but it's it's so worth the effort. It's so worth the effort. It's, and then I also have Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plan to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you hope and a future, and it feels like you're clinging to that hope. I, I love that. I think that's a great, whenever I give these scripture, uh, it is for you to instill in your children now. Do not wait for when they will need it. In Lake Hills Church, in our LHC Kids program, we are very intentional with the scripture that we choose. We choose scripture that will arm children for their future, not just for today. So when I talk about scripture memory, it's not just you can check something off. My kid can totally quote the 23rd Psalm. Aren't I the best mom in the world? It's not about you. It's about arming your child for future because when they, not if, when they face struggle, they now, the Holy Spirit recalls that to their brain and they remember, no, God has a plan for me, a hope and a future, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it. Are there times, Kendall, when you feel like God is not with you? Um, yes. So you acknowledge that. Yes. You definitely. acknowledge that feeling, but then the truth, 
I know that that God made me the way he did. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's so easy to to celebrate the wonderfully made parts. Um, I love my hair. I love my eyes. That's great. But um, I don't love Friedrich's ataxia. But that's as much a part of me as the things that are wonderful about me. So I have to trust that God will use the fearfully and the wonderfully made parts um, of me to work together for good and um, that it I can't see it because I'm living it, I'm in it, this is my life, but um, as you say, zoom out. And um, I can't see the bigger picture of why God gave me F.A. All I can do is walk and hope and trust that he's using it for kingdom-minded purposes. And all I can do is uh, my best every day, just do the next right thing. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in the proper time you will reap a harvest. If you don't give up, you've, you've applied rinse and repeat not just to parenting, but to your life. You get up every day. And I think my cling to um, in this, I think for situations that are beyond our understanding, our, our, there are some things in life that I will never understand. And, and people will say, how do you, ex you know, can you help me explain this to my child? And I think sometimes when we're explaining things to children, um, we're trying to explain things that we as adults don't understand. And so I think Isaiah 55, 9 is extremely important. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are trusting, you said the word trust, I have to trust God. I have to trust that his ways, it's okay that I don't understand them. I'm not meant to understand him. There is no command to understand. The command is to trust and obey. And so my job is to remember that God's ways are higher than my ways. And God is good and God is love even when I don't see it and even when I don't feel it. And so I cling to the truth. I cling to what I know when I don't trust what I feel. I have to trust what I know to be true. And that's why scripture memory, and I know that you have Collins and Brooks, you speak that to them. You say to them, God is always good. You know, God, life's not always fair, but God is always good. But then giving them the scripture to cling to um, because we, we don't understand. And it's not like we're gonna round the corner and then go, oh, now it makes sense. Um, it's okay not to understand. And I think that you and Kyle have come to that point, and yet you're absolutely. trusting. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and teaching your children. And um, it's time to wrap up, and we're gonna go into a time of reflection. Is there anything you wanna wrap up with? If you still have something to say, I wanna hear it, Kendall. Um, I mean, uh, I said it in the video, and I've said it um, here, but it's, it's so important. Um, life is not always good, but God is. Um, and try to, to find God's light and live in it because I tried living in darkness. I tried living in bitterness and in anger. I tried doing life in F.A. on my own. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, but God's love is bigger than 
anything this life can throw at you. And um, just keep that in mind. If you feel alone, if you feel unloved, if you feel unworthy, if you feel hopeless, um, there is hope, there is love from the one who made you. Excellent. We're going to move into a time of reflection, and our reflection is just going to be a minute to ask God with honesty and humility, God, is there, is there a circumstance in my life, a situation in my life that I keep looking at it and simply living in the wishing it wasn't there, living in the anger about it, living in the frustration? And so, as Kendall says, we can acknowledge it, acknowledge the disappointment, acknowledge the hurt, acknowledge the pain, but don't live there. And so the scripture that we cling to, the truth that we cling to, it doesn't minimize the pain. It doesn't minimize the hurt. Kendall's not ignoring the fact that she has um, FA, but she's saying, I have it, but I will choose to use it for good. And God is so faithful, and he will use any situation every situation for his glory and our good. Kendall, thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Let's, I'm going to pray for all of us right now. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for Kendall. I thank you for her heart. I thank you for Kyle and Brooks and Collins. And I thank you for their willingness to speak up and to say, this is what is going on in our lives, and we trust that God is good, and, and we're seeing goodness in the midst of this storm. I know, God, that there are moms out there who are in situations and circumstances that are less than desirable, and some even devastating, and we ask that you wrap your arms around them and assure them of your presence and your provision and your power, and, the, and remind us that even when we don't feel it, even when we can't see it, you are always at work and you are always good. We thank you, God, for being a big God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.